Hey guys, welcome to What's the Pitch, a brand new podcast in 2022 where my co-host and I are going to be talking everything Dragon's Den and business pitches alike. We have a shared passion for watching business-like programs and talking about them, so we thought we'd bring it to a podcast. My name's Pamela. And I'm her co-host. Hi, I'm Maya. So we're going to kick off this podcast by talking about the new season of Dragon's Den that is currently airing in the UK on BBC One. We will add a small disclaimer, I think, Maya. It's probably fair to say neither of us are um, entrepreneurs and business uh, business minded people I guess I mean we've got we've got some basic knowledge around business things but this is literally just our opinion and um yeah it's just a bit of a laugh really yeah I mean like we're 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 fans of the show neither of us are running businesses and no one listening should take anything we say as actual business advice or anything to act upon but um yeah, like I think we're business minded in the sense that we watch the show, but um, yeah, yeah, apart we we just watch it for fun. Exactly, we do just watch it for fun, and some of these pitches that come on are great, and some of these pitches that come on are not so great. So we're going to be discussing the ones that are great and get investment, the ones that are great and didn't get investment. There's been a couple of those in the previous seasons, um, and then maybe some of the ones that. We wonder a little bit, like, how did they get on the show? Um, <laughs> and those are probably going to be the ones that are a bit more funny. Guys, if you guys haven't seen episode one of the new season of Dragon's Den, I think it's season 19, um, the brand new, brand new season of Dragon's Den, there's going to be some spoilers ahead in this. So you might want to go and watch that and then come back to listen to our podcast. Um, but yeah, let's start with episode one, which just aired um, in the last week. We had a new dragon that came on board, Stephen Bartlett. He's the youngest dragon ever, I think. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Stephen is, he's like a young entrepreneur that built up this massive um, social media marketing empire called Social Chain. Um, and he did this in his early 20s. Um, I follow him on a couple of platforms, so like Instagram, LinkedIn, etc., um, and he has his own podcast as well, which I listen to from time to time. And it was just quite interesting when they announced him as, as the new dragon, um, probably around six months ago or something like that, before they started recording, obviously. And um, I, I was quite excited about it. And I was like, Mayo, Mayo, like, look who they've announced as the new dragon. I remember sending you that message. Um, and so, yeah, it was going to be interesting to see what kind of fresh perspective he was going to be bringing in. Um, you know he's in he's in that social market uh, social media marketing type area um he's also doing a lot of investments in general um so he's got loads of background with investments so i was kind of interested to see what kind of spin he was going to bring in um into the new season it's definitely like a fresh mindset um because i think and we'll get into the the episode but like i do i do think even though he's not that much younger than like Sarah Davies, right? He, 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 his mindset seems a lot younger than anyone else in the den, um, which has always kind of felt like quite an old fashioned place to do business. So yeah, it's definitely an interesting new dynamic. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So with that being said, um, shall we delve into episode one then? Um, the first pitch that came in was a company called The Cheese Geek. 
who kind of pitched themselves as like Vivino for cheese. And for those of you that don't know Vivino, it's it's based on a wine subscription company. Um, and, you know, they send out different types of wine for you to try. So for this cheese geek company, um, it's like a subscription based sending you cheese on a monthly basis or a twice weekly basis I don't know I haven't actually looked too much into the company Maya I don't know whether you have no I like so it is it's a company that sends you boxes of cheese um yeah I think monthly um I think there's different there's different like time scales you can send it to and it learns what cheese you like it's got an app and you rate the cheeses and it can personalize cheese to you. Um, they came in wanting 150,000 at 3%, which is a 5 million pound valuation, which I was like, for cheese? cheese. That I sounds know. insane. But, but in um, saying like, that, I was, like, I was like, really? He did talk about like him being a numbers person, right? And so he had personally invested £720,000 of his own money into this business. And I was like, whoa. I mean, Stephen spat out his cheese at that point. And was literally like, just like, what? Like, how much? And he had to clarify. 720000 of his own personal money that he'd, like, got from his, like, from his work in, finance, in the finance industry or whatever. Um, so he was like, I'm clearly a numbers guy. Like I know hundred percent around numbers. I'm not going to tell you like, this is stupid or whatever. And then he started chucking out, chucking down all the like lingo that I was like, okay, yep. Clearly he must kind of know his stuff here. Um, and I didn't realize in itself, like the cheese industry is massive. It's 3.2 billion pounds, apparently the cheese industry. So you know, a five million like, valuation in a three point two billion pound industry is that is that way off the line there? Okay, here's the thing. I don't think like I I didn't know the exact number. I knew cheese was massive. Like they, we eat a lot of cheese. I like cheese. Lot everyone, most people like cheese. I just like whether I was skeptical about like this idea in the sense that. I was like, how big is the market for people who want personalized cheese recommendations? Because I feel like when you like cheese, you just go to the shop and get like cheddar or red Leicester or mozzarella and you kind of know what cheese you want. I, I never felt the I'm need there. to have like mm. AI learn <laughs> about my cheese <laughs> and tell me like, oh, you should be eating this Stilton from a, like, it's very specific dairy. Um, but they had, like, really good growth numbers and they had, like, was it 1.56 million in revenue, something like that, by their third year. So they were, they're, like, there clearly is a market for it. And I guess, um, yeah, with, with, like, other apps like Vivino, proving there's a market for like people who want these artisan food products so cheese I guess why not yeah absolutely why not I mean 
yeah I, I I like cheese I don't think I'm a massive cheese connoisseur for sure like <laughs> I definitely don't know all of my cheeses um but I'm I'm very very happy to have cheese every now and again I'm not sure this would be a product for me personally but I can understand why people might go down this subscription box route if they want to try something new or if they want to be kind of in with the trendy crowd um so yeah why not I mean most of the dragons did see that this was an interesting idea um you know they all kind of I think it was probably Deborah that was out first right she decided um you know she's got loads of problems with milk in terms of <laughs> I think she said something around she'd probably have some really bad things to say about milk um, and so that would probably piss off some of the suppliers a little bit. Um, so she didn't want to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was quite interesting. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she's plant based. I mean, they still had some plant based ethical cheese. No, they had ethical. They, they had, had eth they had an ethical. The they had cheese from a dairy called the Ethical Dairy, um, which uh, I guess yeah. is about as ethical as dairy farming can get, which is why she yeah. is okay with them. But I think for her to be on board, all the cheese would have had to come from like that dairy or a similar kind of like organic, it would all have to be organic, like cows in a, in a field and like nothing, um, yeah, just nothing kind of big dairy about it at all. And like, even though, they were saying that they only use like artisan cheese makers and small dairies. They weren't like all up to her standards. So yeah, she declared herself mm. out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I think, I mean, Sarah also said that she was, she, I think she also said that she was going to be out. This wasn't, wasn't for her either. But the three male dragons were then all kind of fighting for a piece. And this is probably where things got a little bit interesting in this episode, especially for a first pitch that was coming on for the new season. So Peter decided that um, he would go and offer them all of the money. Now, this is where there was a small glitch because all of the money at the beginning, Maya mentioned, like they were asking for 150,000 for 3% equity. And then apparently all of the money ended up being 85,000. So not quite sure what happens there. Not quite sure what the actual investment was going to be. Um, but he offered- I, I think it was a, um, but I think he it was offered, 150. I think it was 150. Was it 150? And, and at the end, Evan Davis just made a mistake on the recording. And said eighty five thousand for some reason. I've not. I don't know. But I think it. Will, I think it must have been like the okay. number. Yeah. Okay. So let's say it's one hundred and fifty k. Um. But he wanted fifteen percent equity, so five times more than what was being offered on the table. Um. By the owners at the time. So that was that was. I mean, they got an offer. That's what you're in the den for, right? You you're you're in the den for an investment, but whether or not they would take five times the amount um, being offered was obviously going to be um, something to, to, to look out for. Um, and then, and then Stephen stuck, snuck straight in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised by Peter's offer because Peter did not sound like he didn't sound interested at first because they said they were going to make a profit in year four, which again, I think is the difference in mindset because he didn't like the valuation um he didn't like the fact that they were going to take four years to make a profit which is not strange for a tech company a lot of tech companies don't make profits for years and then like start making a lot of profit 
Um, but, you know, even though he kind of w- sounded reluctant, he then was like interested in the technology side. I think the technology side, because this whole app and this whole like machine learning that they're putting into what cheese you like is like a big difference because it made me think of there was a business a few years ago on Dragon's Den, which was kind of this same concept, but for olive oil. And it was like a subscription of olive oil, different olive oils straight from Italy. And like, no one was interested. They were just like, I don't want to get olive oil in a box. I just want to buy olive oil from the, like from a shop when I want it. Um, And I think, yeah, I definitely think having an app and having technology makes it more interesting to, to the dragons. And then like, you know, they always go, they, they always go for very high, very high percentages. So when you have these companies that are kind of venture capital backed or like backed already have like investment, it can be very difficult because they already have like a percentage they can give away. And like the dragons are always like, I want 20% or I want 40% because I'm a dragon and like, I can do so many things for you. Um, and yeah, this is where Steven's going to make the dynamic a bit more interesting because he immediately undercut Peter massively and just like made an offer that was half the equity for seven and a half, which is still like double, over double what they were initially seeking, but it was much lower than, yeah, where Peter, where Peter started out. Yeah, something that would probably be a lot more palatable to the owners, right? Like going from five times to just over double um definitely I mean if I was a business owner that's probably a much better position to be in um so yeah Stephen offered in at seven and a half percent and then Tuka decided to throw his hat in as well but he matched Peter's offer Um, and I was like what's the point in that when somebody's already undercut you um by seven and a half percent and you're not particularly in that industry either so um Tuka's not like well he's he's mainly um in the children like baby it's baby industry right he's he baby stuff he started off in um like textiles and fashion i think and then um yeah now he's like quite big in children baby he does a lot of e-commerce i guess you could kind of say this is e-commerce but it's not in like it's not in the same way so yeah here's offer um yeah his offer made no sense there was like there's yeah. no point in him making an offer um and the thing is that because they've come in pitching themselves as the Vivino for cheese and Stephen pointed out that he's an investor in Vivino so it sounds like and because cheese and wine are something that you pair anyway like you can see a lot of partnership with that going forward so yeah. like Normally they pitch higher because they go, well, I, I can do things for you that the other ones can't. So that's why I should have more equity. But they literally just went higher because they were like, like, because we are who we are. Like they never, they didn't <laughs> yeah, we're old school. We're, we're like, why they need <laughs> Yeah. Whereas where like, because Stephen had all the leverage in terms of what they wanted in an investor. And so like, if they wanted it, they would have to undercut him or, they might as well go out like but I don't know they felt like they still again I feel Peter, Peter Jones loves to make an offer and be like I'm Peter Jones but that time he didn't he didn't have the leverage to try yeah and, no, <laughs> to I try and get agree. 
Yeah, so in the end, I mean, there was a little bit of negotiation. They they went to the back of the wall, which I always find really, really funny. Like, just goes to talk to the wall. Um, I mean, it's not so bad when there's a couple of them, right? But when you're by yourself and you're just kind of facing the wall, I've always just been a bit like... <laughs> That's, that's a bit sad just sending them to the back of the wall to like talk to themselves um we'll come yeah i mean it's sad but it's like because because if you compare it to um yeah if you compare it to the american one which is which is like very funny in that like the americans the british one is a lot more polite basically the americans will be like they don't like you leaving the room they'll they'll be like if you go out of the room and think about it i'm going i might change my deal or they'll be like you have to take my deal right now or i'm going to change it yeah. Whereas the british ones are like, just the british the british guys are like just take a second think about it you know like it's a, it's a much more even though it can be a bit it can still be cutthroat but it's a much polite atmosphere they they let you talk to talk to the wall and have a little you know <laughs> get a little advice from from the bricks at the back of the room yeah um and so that's what they did and they came back and they counted Stephen's offer um to basically get him down to five percent if they were if they were able to repay him back his investment after two years so I think it was a win-win situation for them they managed to get um the equity stake down to lower than what was um you know originally asked for um by Stephen and they got all of the money so I think for Stephen's first deal like I think it was kind of almost like handed to him a little bit right um you know he's a backer of Vivino he already yeah, kind of knows they, what's they happening start... with this space and yeah this is kind of a bit like a, a match made uh right for him yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to know, like, when that one was shot, because I'm sure they kind of edit together the pitches in, like, different orders and stuff, because that did seem very perfect for his first pitch. Yeah. <laughs> if that was his first pitch on the whole show, I'd be amazed, um, because it was, ta- yeah, it was tailor-made. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely tailor-made for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I thought it was interesting. It, it's clearly a business with potential. I'm not, like, because it, it was... They did have a stumbling point where one of them, uh, where where they were asked, um, you know, they were asked like, "What do you, does your business risk? have any threats, any risks?" And yeah, the numbers guy was like, "I don't see any," which is always a red flag. There are always risks. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about like because they're only dealing with these very small cheesemakers, right? So it was whether they they could keep up as they grew with the capacity which I don't know I don't know if they really answered because they kind of said oh because of like nut milk and alternative milks there will be a lot of milk to give to the different cheesemakers um which okay there's there's a lot of milk there definitely is a lot of milk flowing around but yeah whether they can actually keep up to grow this to the size of business they said it'll be it'll be interesting It'll be interesting to see. But um, yeah, definitely. I think at the level he invested and and this is the thing about these like kind of ratcheted deals where he's like, oh, if you pay me back in 24 months, I'll go down to 5%. I mean, that works out perfectly for a dragon, right? Because he's at that point got no money invested 
and five percent of the company and so if it fails <laughs> doesn't really matter but it's like yeah it has a lot of potential so yeah perfect yep. first investment it is perfect first investment awesome so that was that was uh item well pitch number one um moving on then to the next couple of pitches which i mean i think that pitch probably took up most of most of the time for the episode it felt like but um it was definitely quite interesting the next pitch though um so the next pitch was around hair extensions um or so we thought it kind of started out like a hair extension technique school right i think that's what it was pitched at um yeah it, it was called naked weave um and i mean uh, this this pitch was just oh I, I i felt so uncomfortable in this pitch a little bit i mean do you think she was prepared it was it was very it was very very challenging to kind of watch this one because she started off extremely enthusiastic um i think she came across really really well she was really confident to begin with um, she was there asking for £70,000 for 15% of her business. Um, and, you know, the, at the start, the point of the business was around teaching um, hair technicians how to put in hair extensions, but to make them almost seem invisible, like the, the extension part seem invisible. Um, and, you know, it started off as quite an interesting pitch. The, the actual, like, hair weave demonstration like dolly mannequin things that she had like you could see that there was real like a real big difference in terms of you know being able to see the extension itself and not see the extension so that i think that was quite interesting but just the pitch in general it started to go a bit downhill as soon as the dragon started to question her and i don't know whether that was just a confidence thing she was in there to kind of seek a bit of validation i felt um, you know, she really wanted to to feel like she was a good business owner and a good businesswoman and she could do it all. And she wanted somebody to believe in her business as much as she believed in it. Um, and I think she had an, an OK business there, but there were a lot of questions where she then started to stumble, I think. And she definitely showed her vulnerable side. Yeah, I mean, I think she had a prepared pitch. She wasn't ready for... She wasn't ready for the questions. Um, yeah, I don't think she, I don't think she really understood her business model like enough. Um, she, she get the, 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 I mean, it all started to go wrong when she had the really weird interaction with Tuka because she, she starts off by saying, they ask, you know, the question. Stephen asked the question of like, why are you train you're training people, can't other people who've learned this then go out and train more people and isn't your business in trouble? And she says, I've been going for 20 months, I've trained like a thousand people, hasn't been an issue yet. Then Tuka asks her how many hair technicians who can do this are in the UK? And she says a thousand or just over a thousand, which she's already said she's trained a thousand. So that would mean she's trained everyone. Um, and, but, like yeah so so then he's like oh well if you do that based on the amount of money you're charging your market's only like half a million um and so then she just starts kind of making numbers up she starts saying like oh no i think there's fifty thousand technicians in the uk who can do it and 
and and that's not you know, a small jump, right? Every year. Yeah, no, it was not. It was, and then there's like ten thousand new ones a year, and it's like she just she that the it was, it was a pretty crazy. Yeah, it was a pretty crazy jump to try and justify that there's a massive market for this. I mean, I like to go back to Stephen's initial point. I don't understand why she was training people. Like, I don't understand why that was the business. You've developed, so the whole thing is that she's developed a technique that is better at putting in hair extensions than like anyone else is currently doing. So why is your business not to just do that, to like train people up and either you have a salon or you have, you send people to on location to do hair extensions and everyone you train works for you, whether that's like a franchising model or like part of your business um and like that to me is like a business you can grow rather than teaching your competitors how to do it and you can build businesses from these kind of things because in america there's like a business called dry bar and that is just a salon where you where women go and they get their hair blow dried and like styled. Uh, so yeah, I remember that pitch. Like, yeah, you're yeah, you're going out and you just like you just, you know, it's not a full-on wash or cut or anything like that. They just kind of style it and shape it for a night out or whatever. Um, and people, people like they have when they have lines around the block, it's a super popular business. So you can build a business off of like one specific thing if you do it really well um because her solution to making money was like she's going to build her brand and then start selling her own hair extension which okay she can do but I think if you controlled you know the business a bit more and just said like I'm the one who has this technique the people who I train will work for me and they'll be the best at doing it um that's 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 a business that will grow much better than just training anyone to do it and you know hoping that people will keep coming to you so yeah <laughs> I, I don't know yeah. if she really realized I think that was definitely that's yeah I, I agree with that I don't think when when Stephen asked her about that and she basically said she's not worried about it at all like that that sent alarm bells ringing in my head because down the line somebody is going to come chipping in at your revenue and your profit, right? Somebody's going to be taking the, your business away from you. Um, so to not be worried about that at all, I think was a little bit naive. Um, you always need to be worried about these things when it comes to business, surely. Um, and she knew that, you know, she had, she had talked about the pitch around in, in her pitch around, you know, at some point she wants to be starting to sell the extensions themselves um and but that wasn't really modeled in her business model um and when she was asked why hasn't she started selling she she was literally just like you know she could do it now if she wanted to but she was really there to kind of seek validation and I think you know every time one of the dragons gave her a compliment about how well she'd been doing because she'd been trading very short amount of time like 20 months or something she started in the pandemic right and she had made some money um you know she had she had a pretty good revenue stream for 
what is essentially quite a small business and her doing it herself like single-handedly like she should have given herself you know definitely a bit more applause on the back for it because not everybody can go out and do that um but I think she really did need she must have been a little bit insecure around you know how much she's willing to drive the business and and you know her confidence in running the business itself I think she kind of definitely needed I think it was maybe Peter or Stephen that was saying maybe she just needs a bit of a mentor um you know that's going to be able to help guide her a little bit more because she she maybe doesn't have a you know a a business degree background or like a business background and she kind of just needs a bit of help you know getting her feet off the ground but she is making the right decisions um you know and and she's got she's got the capability there it's just how can she harness it to make sure that it, it's going to support her business to grow yeah I mean I think with what she's doing she will grow a business that will support her, you know, if she can continue to go and train people and, you know, she gets really known for it. I'm sure they'll have her like flying around the world to train people in like LA and whatever, all over the world. But she needs to really think about what she's got if she's gonna try and scale it to something that people, an investor would invest in and get a big return from. Because uh, yeah, just kind of teaching one by one, yeah, that's not gonna do it. But she has got, you know, she she did really well by herself. So she, you know, I think Peter said she needs a mentor. It would be good if she did that because, um, yeah, she does need a little bit more belief in herself because just what she'd done, you know, turning over thousands and thousands of pounds in the, her first kind of year, couple of years, um, all on her own is still very impressive absolutely so she didn't walk away with an investment unfortunately but I think she got a little bit of a confidence boost from the dragons to say you know she was heading in the right direction and and you know she is doing well so I think you know that has probably spurred her on a little bit um okay then we had one of the shorter pitches that were coming in um but <laughs> this one was around dog leads um and this was an interesting one because, you know, immediately after we watched this episode, um, you, you, you did kind of ask the question, which is the kind of the question that Peter asked during this pitch was, you know, is dog thieving a thing? Um, you know, people kidnapping dogs, because basically the pitch was around having dog leads that you couldn't put a knife through or, you know, you couldn't cut off so that somebody would steal your dog. Um, so that was quite an interesting, interesting one. And I think for those that aren't dog owners um, or those that maybe haven't been in a neighborhood where there have been dog thieves and then you'll start seeing all these dog posters up on up on trees and stuff of, of people saying that their dog is missing. You, you don't really know how big of a crime this actually is. Um, and I was just going back to thinking, you know, I've seen quite a lot of posts in the last year, especially during COVID times, actually. Um, during this pandemic where people have had their dogs stolen there's been a lot of new dog owners during the pandemic there was definitely a spike in terms of people getting pets um, you know good companionship um, quite a lot of people were getting new dogs um, I saw so many of my friends be on Instagram talking about getting new dogs or somebody that they knew got a new dog um, and then with that came dog thieving um, when they're kind of either out walking their dogs um, and especially if you're out walking your dog late at night or something or you're in a rural area, 
you know, people literally just coming up to you to snatch your dog away, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like, you wouldn't believe that that would be a crime, but it is. Um, and so this lady who, let's give her some props, right? She had, she had done pretty good revenue in the amount of time that she'd been running her business through not really any paid marketing. She was talking about doing her own marketing and like maybe doing a couple of Facebook ads every now and again. And she was still running at like 80 80,000 pounds or something it was it was quite a high number I think 72,000 um, 72, I think it was um and yeah, yeah I mean that pretty, it's pretty decent it's pretty decent and like yeah I, I must admit when I saw that I was like not specifically dog fest because I know people do steal dogs it was like I was like is is it a thing that people are running up to you and like cutting your dog away or are they like trying to steal it when it's like off its leash or, you know, like, but yeah, apparently like it's quite a big thing to, for people to run up and like cut a dog lead and try and snatch dogs, um, which she's dealing with. It Then Peter raised the, the other issue, which I was thinking of, which is that, what do you do then? Because her thing is a knife proof dog lead. Like you run up, with a knife, you try and cut the lead, it doesn't cut. So Peter pointed out <laughs> that then you're basically face-to-face -face with someone with a knife who tried to cut your dog away and it didn't work. What happens then? You know, that, is that a more dangerous situation or is, is that an improvement? Because you can run, I guess, or is that more dangerous than the situation you would have been where you would have lost your dog, but you know, like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, like, again, people, I don't have a dog. People are really protective of their dogs. So they might prefer the chance to kind of stand their ground or get away. Um, but yeah, it's, it feels like that could get you into quite a dangerous, a dangerous scenario. Yeah, it does sound like, yeah, it definitely sounds like it would put you in a dangerous scenario. Um, so yeah, I mean, the dragon didn't buy it, um, I don't think. There was a question around, um, I mean, the, the owner came in asking for £30,000 for 5%. Um, and there was a question from Sarah, I guess, around, you know, whether or not that that was going to be her final number or something around those lines. And she she changed her mind from 5% from to 25%, which is a five times like five times the amount of equity that she was originally willing to offer and I was just a bit like that's a pretty that's a pretty big leap there I'm gonna say I enjoyed how she did it because she she said to them this is your lucky day which I thought was an amazing way to <laughs> just talk about how she was changing your mind she was like she was like I have thought about it and this is your lucky day like she's giving away a prize on a game show um and she was like yeah I'll go up to 25 percent um yeah it was it was a very informal way of pitching my other favorite phrase was like I think Sarah asked like how do I get my money back and she said I the the entrepreneur just said I'm not really experienced in that area which is the worst thing you can say when you're trying to get an investor it's like I don't know how you get your money back just give me money like, like so yeah she did a yeah she came in with a product more so than a business um which is probably why it was one of the shorter pitches um because she yeah she didn't yeah so, I mean again 
like sometimes on the American one on Shark Tank, which is interesting, is someone will come in with a product that they like, and like I've seen them just be like, "Oh, I'll give you, I'll give you money for like a hundred percent of the idea, and I'll just like do it, and I'll give you a royalty or something." Um, so <laughs> you never say never. Sometimes you can get a deal with just a just a, a product, but yeah, she didn't really know how to turn it into a business. Yeah. So that one, that one didn't get any investment. Um, moving on to the next one, and we're on to the penultimate pitch now. So this guy, this this pitch was <laughs> this pitch was funny. Um, this pitch was a product engineer who came in with a key ring that was a torch. So essentially, it's 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 a torch that you can place on your keys. It's very small. Um, and he was asking for £40,000 for 20% stake of his business. Um, <laughs> now, what, what I found interesting on this one was um, the price, the price point of this little tiny gadget. And we are talking something really, really small. Um, you know, it's no bigger than, you know, half the normal size of a pen, I'm sure. Um, and he was selling these for $23.99 per product, which is, you know, the Dragon's Thought was quite expensive for what it was. Um, to quote Sarah Davies, she was like, you're cute, but the product is not cute <laughs> or something like that, which I thought was really funny. Um, and I don't know. I, I, was, I was kind of a bit confused about this one because I could kind of see why it would be useful the useful part of it I guess wasn't that it was just small and it was a key ring it was the fact that the end of it was magnetic right and you would be able to you know put it magnetize it against something else so that you don't have to actually be holding it um but I I think I got quite confused with his pitch um he couldn't really answer some of the questions. And I think if he was more prepared in terms of answering some of the dragon's questions, like potentially there could have been something with a bit more legs on it. Um, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the rebuttal questions were basically just around, everyone always carries their phone and your phone has a torch. So why wouldn't you just use your torch on your phone instead of using this little device on, on a key ring instead? Um, so I don't know. What were your thoughts, Maya? What did you think initially about about this idea? Oh, initially I thought it was stupid. I thought it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It was a torch on a key ring for twenty five pounds. That's it's no, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I just thought like I I, I had the same thought. I, like everyone has a torch on their phone. Um, and no one no one needs this or if they do need this there are surely better like if you need this that much you're gonna walk with a torch or you're gonna walk with like i don't know one of those like lights you put on a on like you can strap to your head or something because i i just don't think there's a i didn't think there was a massive gap in between those two types of people, someone who's fine to use their phone and someone who is like, I, I live somewhere where I'm gonna need a torch regularly, so I will walk with one. And I think, I feel like even for 25 quid, you could get a better one than one that you put on your, 
you know, on your key ring. Because even his example was like, you're changing a tire in the dark, so you need it. But if you're changing a tire, then you're in your car, so you can just have a torch in the boot. Like there's no, you know, like there's no, there's, it wasn't a situation where all you will have on you is whatever is on your key ring. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was a good pitch. Um, yeah, and I didn't think it was a good product. Yeah, same here. I mean, none of the dragons did either. They, nobody made an investment. Um, you know, people thought he had a good product. He's a product engineer and he'll probably come up with a whole load of other products, but this just isn't the right one yet. Um, what was interesting though afterwards so after I had watched the episode and you know I I read a couple of things it came up on um one of my news feeds somewhere um that he'd actually sold out of his product and there were actually loads of people that were buying it um and he's currently sold out until April now a good point here is we don't actually know how much stock he had so sold out of like two and he can't make any more until April or like sold out of like 200,000. Who knows? We don't actually know how many, how many product items he's got in his um, itinerary. But um, a lot of people did kind of take to social media to say that it was a pretty good idea if they were living out in like rural areas in the sense of, you know, they don't want to be using their phone battery to use the torch. Um, so it would be good to have a small torch on their key ring if they were living in a rural area and it was dark. But then I just go back to the point that you just made, like surely they would carry a torch with them. If you're living in a rural area, you know that it's going to get dark. Surely you would carry something with you, right? They, right? they should be carrying something with them. Yeah, again, I like we don't know how much stock he had. I like after you told me that, I did go on Google. I was like looking at this torch. I went on Amazon, it's got like 19 reviews. So I don't know what that, like, okay, it's sold out. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if I believe- He had 20. If he had a box of like, I mean, even if he had a box of like a hundred, that would be impressive. But I don't, I don't think he had a warehouse full that he has sold through. Um, what it was it was interesting one one interesting thing is if you go on his website and this is amazing it lists on his on the website for this torch it says that 25.99 or whatever whatever he said rang said 25.99 was like the introductory price and that the full price is 39.99 which i just thought really he's trying oh to sell my this. god <laughs> trying to sell it for 40 quid which you know, um, at that I feel like that introductory price is going to last a long time because no one is buying it. <laughs> no one is buying <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, so I think there are people who will use it. I just don't think it's going to be a massive. Yeah. This it, there are people who who might think, okay, it's good to just have something, a good quality torch on my key ring for emergencies. But I don't think there's a lot of those people. Um, he talked about how his business was actually like, because his business wasn't a key ring torch. His business was that he's making high quality gadgets to go on key rings. Um, but when he talked about the future, that wasn't impressive either. Because he was like, he was talking about like a pen. <laughs> he just started talking about a pen. The foldable like, pen. Oh, magnetic. And it's the, like, fo the foldable pen. <laughs> The foldable pen. And then he said, yeah, it's foldable. 
It's like, oh, it's a half. It's a, imagine a pen that it's a half is half pen. the size and then you unfold it to make a full-size pen. Okay, what? Like, what, what, what benefit does that have? No idea. Absolutely no idea. I mean, he said it with such conviction as well, right? It was it was the absolute confidence and conviction behind him talking about this product. And I was literally just like, no, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. That, that, was uh, like, been... that was like a conversation on weed because he was like, imagine a pen, right? Imagine, a, but it's like half the size of a pen. But, but then it becomes a full-size pen. And like, why are you talking about it? Like, that's when, like, you're high and you think you've had the best business idea ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the only thing that he got out of that was um, he, he got told he was cute. And, and yeah. I think that was, and, that. And that was the got, highlight. And, and, he, and he got on TV. Like, it was a commercial. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's why he, out. yeah, that's why he sold out of wh- however many he had. He sold out because he was on Dragon's Debt. Like, it helped. Yeah. Uh, and he probably should have had more stock ready to go because he's not going to get that level of publicity again, I don't think. But who knows? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So, um, moving on to the final pitch um, of this week's episode. This was a company called Extend Robotics. And we're going to be traveling into like the future and traveling into the Marvel Avengers world, Mayo, which is like one of my favorite topics, obviously. Um, and he was asking for 150,000 for 5% equity stake. So he was already, you know, valuing the business quite high. I don't think I was surprised with the valuation, to be honest, because it was a robotics tech company. Um, and basically it was around operating robots through VR. Um, and, and I was like, is this the future? Like, is this literally what's going to be happening? Um, so the guy was looking at kind of three particular areas. One was healthcare. So to be able to use the robots in the healthcare system, whether it's, you know, in a care home, for example, to, to give medication to any of the patients or anything like that. Um, the second one was around industrial site maintenance, he said. You know, if it's maybe an unsafe place and you can get a robot to go there instead, maybe. Um, and then the third one was around hospitality. And he was talking about there are bars in London that have robots that tend to the bars. So they are robot bartenders, basically. Um, so this was an interesting concept. Um, and he had he got one of the dragons, I think it was Stephen, wasn't it, that that went up to kind of do a live uh, a live demo of what this technology was was able to do. Um, although Stephen couldn't quite figure out exactly he was supposed to put a puppy onto a box and, and that didn't quite work out. Um, and yeah, yeah a stuff puppy. Let's yeah, stuff like puppy. You. Yes, like, yeah, not not live. Hopefully people listening to this have seen the episode. But yeah, if you haven't, he didn't, he didn't get a robot arm to grab a real puppy. It yeah, was, it, yeah, it was a, a, a stuff puppy. Yeah, we, we should probably mention that. Um, now, I don't know. I mean, this is definitely something that I feel like could potentially happen in the future. We've seen this in enough films, right, to know that one day this could happen. There is the technology for it. It's probably going to come into the real world you know 
in the next decade or so. Um, and so, you know, I don't think we've been adverse to seeing like similar type tech companies come onto the show. Um, we've always heard from the dragons, they think it's a bit too in the future, but we're in the future based on the last pitch, right? So I don't know how I felt about this. I felt a little bit uneasy, if I'm being a bit honest, um, because I was just like, are we ready for this? <laughs> is this is this really what we're going to be doing now? Are we, are we really going to be the world that adopts this technology and have robots kind of replace well, actually, so this was a thing. I think a lot of people were worried about it because we're thinking that robots will replace humans. But this is really to enhance the labor force and it's to kind of provide extra support, right? It wasn't necessarily to replace humans um, with these robots. It was kind of to work alongside humans doing extra automated tasks that, you know, humans shouldn't be spending their time on they should be spending their time on things that are more important for example or you know that's that's of a higher priority or higher urgency that requires their attention um so I kind of felt I, I was a bit in two minds I think with this pitch I, I think the idea definitely was good I could see why you know the technology is being built and, and I could see this you know being done but at the same time I was kind of a bit like I definitely don't want these robots to be replacing humans. Um, there's no, there'll be no like empathy there. There'll, there'll be no feeling it will just be a robot. Um, and although there's supposed to be somebody that's, you know, working these robots via VR, I was just a little bit like, mm, I don't think it's going to have the same feel. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point. This isn't wasn't supposed to replace people with robots. This This was like remote controlled robots so like someone is controlling a robot to do a job at a distance um he talked about things like yeah where things are too dangerous like decommissioning nuclear plants and cleaning up waste that is hazardous to people you know you could do it from a distance someone just moving a robot um he talked about like yeah being able to um do it in a care, you know, have a robot in a care home to help. Um, which, again, the only way that's not replacing someone, you know, it's kind of like, well, what is the point of that? Unless it's like the person is at home, but on call. And if there's like an emergency, they just jump on, like operate the robot, but they don't have to be at the actual building. Um, so you can spend more time at home or whatever. But one of the things is like, they are doing this in Japan. I saw a show about it a while ago where they were using this, this idea to get disabled people back in the workforce. So there, were, um, there was a Japanese restaurant that had robot waiters and the robot waiters were being operated by people with disabilities who were like housebound, bedbound, but they could use the controls. And it was a way of like getting those, getting people back into the workforce and making up for, because Japan is a country with like labor shortages and an aging population. So they've got a lot of these solutions in terms of having like robots in care homes, like even if they're just like little companion robots that just like keep older people company until the staff show up or whatever. Um, 
so yeah, I think people are doing this. And I think that, um, yeah, I think when I saw it in Japan, like the idea of it being for people with disabilities who can't travel was probably the best use case I saw. Um, the, on Dragon's Den, he, the entrepreneur tried to make the case that, you know, if you wanted a specialist to like do surgery or to do a task from across the world, um, but then the, the demo was so bad. Like the, the, the technology he brought really in bad. couldn't eat, like they, <laughs> Stephen couldn't do the most basic kind of thing of picking something up and putting it down where he wants it. So it was kind of like, I don't know whether that's the robotics he had available, but it, that didn't inspire confidence that, you know, his software could help people do these kind of really high precision tasks that he was yeah and that that was yeah and that was what Stephen was talking about right he was talking about absolute precision robotics rather than just yeah yeah because because he started like talking about using it to like intubate people and like put in breathing tubes and do like really specific medical stuff that you cannot get wrong so yeah, it didn't it didn't make sense with what he actually had to show on the day. No, it didn't. And but I think what was interesting was that, you know, Peter Jones was, you know, he's he's a tech mogul, right? So he's he he loves tech. Tech is his thing, tech is his background. Um, and he was he he basically sat there and was like, This is this is kind of like a, an Avengers Iron Man type situation here. Um, yeah, yeah but before you get into that can yeah. we talk about that conversation because it because he forgot he forgot <laughs> iron, iron man, man. Was. i mean like, he was, was like he was like this is like that it was like it was like it was like your grandparents describing a film he's like this is like that film robert danny jr you know the one you know the guy he he flies he does the thing like, it was like <laughs> how do you he wears the suit I was like, how do you forget the name for Iron Man? And like, and the and like the others were like Iron Man or Tony Stark. Like they were really proud of themselves for knowing like some basic information from the biggest film franchise in the world. But um, yeah, for some reason, thinking about Iron Man (laughs) made Peter really interested him. definitely spurred him on he wanted to be I think he probably wanted to be Iron Man right <laughs> and he thought by making a, a an investment proposition yeah. um, <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to be Iron Man at a distance yeah exactly um so he he, he was really like, excited that he was like I can sit at home and be Iron Man and like remote control it like that's what yeah and so he did make an offer um and he offered all of the money, right? He he decided he would offer all yeah. of the money, but he would offer it at 25% equity stake. So five times. I mean, there's you can see like there's 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 some consistency across this whole episode. There's a lot of five times. <laughs> Is that gonna be a thing throughout yeah. this season, do we think? Um, but yeah, he offered well, five times from, the equity stake. Yeah. Um and then this is the part where the entrepreneur went to speak to the wall by himself. 
He went to the wall and then he came back and took it like no no hesitation. Yeah. With, like when you've come in for 5%, if you take like I if if I made an offer of 25% and there was like no negotiation, I'd be a bit worried. Like that that tells me he doesn't have that much faith in his company that he took. He was willing to give up such a massive chunk without fighting at all. Either that, or he played extreme hardball to begin with. It's going to be one or the other, right? If he if he played extreme hardball, knowing full well he was happy to come in at twenty five percent, then hey, you know he got an offer. That was that was all he was after at the end of the day, Um, and that concluded episode one of um, the new season of Dragon's Den. So, um, it was a very interesting first episode. I thought. Um, and the snippets for some of the things to come. I mean, it definitely looks to be an entertaining season. Um, and Maya and I will be with you every week after each of the episodes to give you a bit of a wrap up on what we thought. So if you found this entertaining, hit that subscribe button and we'll see you or you'll hear from us again next week. Thank you.